Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to the RV. Today we are headed to Australia to talk with Malita Black. Malita is a psychologist, writer, leader, thinker, and musician. Her latest book entitled Say Something is out now. So, Malita, welcome to The Relatable Voice. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here to talk with you. Yes, I was looking forward to talking with you, Malita. And you split your time between Clearwater, Florida, and Australia. You basically live in the best beach places in the world. <laughs> so what yes. brought you to Australia? So I went to a university that had a, a travel program. You could do trips uh, and get university credits, uh, write a paper about the trip, write a paper about the country. And uh, so I did several of those trips, four major trips, Uh, over 20, 21 countries, I think, in those four trips, I've since traveled later. But even in my four years of uni, I, I traveled, and one of those was Australia. I met my husband on that trip when we were 19, and uh, we wrote letters before email and internet and things like that. Um, and I moved here when I was 22 and lived here for 30 years, and now I live in Clearwater, but uh, Florida, but I visit Australia because I have children, two sons and grandchildren. Um, so yeah, I split my time between just to see family. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to be able to do that. And uh, so during, during uh, COVID, we weren't able to travel, but we've since been free to travel. It's just such a joy. So yeah, it's wonderful when you can have two places where you feel at home. Yes, I do. I do. And uh, Malita, you describe yourself as an original introverted misfit. <laughs> yes, I think, um, you know, my, my book is about finding your voice to a degree. And um, as a very young person, as a little girl, I didn't, I didn't speak very much. Very quiet, very shy. Um, and I remember adults asking me, questions and worrying about what my response would be. And I think that makes you um, a genuine introvert when you're worried about how you sound and what you say. And I'm pleased to say I don't filter myself that way anymore. But um, yeah, original introvert just means um, I'm, I'm very 
low in in need of frequency to talk and yet uh, i've chosen <laughs> an occupation that talks deeply with people as a counselor and coach um but i go very deep with people into deep topics very quickly and that's that's also a, a you know a characteristic of introversion um is to do it less frequently but to go very deeply with people mm -hmm. And introverts have been stereotyped and misunderstood for a long time. And some people think that introverts are shy and antisocial. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I, I think um, it's not antisocial. It's just less frequent. And so uh, I always have extroverts uh, in my world tell me, you know, I'm so sorry that I'm you know, being so extrovert and so extra, whatever. And I say, we actually, if introverts love being with extroverts, you actually bring us out of our shell and make us um, really aware of our need to express ourselves more often. So uh, it's a joy to talk with extroverts. I think we just have to make sure that we retreat often enough to re-energize, restock our source of energy, Uh, but otherwise, we enjoy it very much, um, talking with people. And um, my introversion shows up when I'm at a social gathering where I don't know anyone. And then I'm very, very quiet. Uh, but in an environment where I'm networking or I'm connecting as a professional, um, that's very different. I, I put myself out there and I find it very easy to connect and, and uh have conversations with people. It's more when it's purely social and I'm surrounded by strangers. So um, mm -hmm. it's, it's every introvert's different. We're not all the same too. So it's a continuum. We still love to connect, still love people. Yes, of course. We're just, we're just spending more time filtering what is worth saying and not worth saying. And um, we, we all naturally assume, I think that People don't want to hear us talk as often, uh, which is not always the case. Um, it's it's an assumption and it's, you know, a perspective. Isn't that interesting? If we were all the same, we'd be very boring. So it's, yeah, it's completely different. And Malita, why did you decide to write this book? Well, uh, as I mentioned, I do uh, counseling and um, I do a lot of relationships, married couples, people who would like to be married. People have been married for a long time, um, but I do also, you know, parents and adult children, people where there's a disconnect. And I found myself repeating some of the same counseling principles, some of the things that I've learned and, um, and repeating them often with each client, as you do when you're in, counsel in counseling. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, uh, it would be good for me for people who don't want to engage in in-depth counseling, um, don't want to commit to sessions. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe uh, one of the partners uh, or one of the people in the partnership doesn't want to do it. I wanted to put the concepts in a book so I could hand it to people who might be interested in counseling or wonder when you seek counseling versus try to do things yourself. And um, so much of what I teach and do with clients, uh, I didn't invent it, you know, which is 
most counselors don't invent things. They learn concepts and they learn practices and they repeat them over and over with clients. Um, and I had been trained as a psychologist. I also um, am a natural uh, communicator. I was raised in a family where my parents fought a lot. Um, and so that taught me to listen for both sides of an argument, right? It, um, I always say I had a very blessed upbringing, two very strong <clears throat> parents, very loving parents. Um, and, and I'm blessed also from their fighting because uh, I learned to listen to what's in the middle between two opinions, right? And I learned to listen for what uh, the other person was not understanding when one person spoke. So I learned to hear where they were missing each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, so most of my book is centered around expectations, really listening and really saying what you need to say as clearly as you can. Um, and so I'm, I'm very proud of it because I can hand it to a couple who doesn't necessarily want to pay for counseling and have them get a copy each and read it together. And there are lines in there to write in and, um, and they can go through the exercises together, which is exciting for me. Mm -hmm. um, for those that don't want to come in front. Some people are embarrassed to come in front of a counselor and I understand that. Um, and so it's a good way to reach people that I may never reach otherwise. Mm -hmm. And what is the most challenging aspect when it comes to counseling a couple? I think when, when both members of a couple are engaged and both want things to be better, it's very easy, very easy, straightforward. Um, because they do the work and they come back and they, you know, tell you how they applied the learning and things like that. Um, one of the struggles uh, is when both might say, yes, I want counseling, uh, but one of them really doesn't. <laughs> one, of the, one of them might be hiding the fact to, to protect the feelings of the other that they actually don't want it to work. And so um, in, in my experience, I'm able to usually figure that out fairly quickly and bring it up as, you know, an obvious lack of intention. But I also start every couple with, you know, what are your intentions? Because it's very important. Sometimes they tell me the truth and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, so really the uncovering of intention, but again, I find that just asking, uh, straight out what, you know, you say that you would like this, but your behavior says otherwise. And so really understanding the gap between what they say they want and what they actually are doing. Um, but that, that's, it's not an unachievable challenge. It's just one of the challenges. And as a counselor, are there ever situations where it's clear that the relationship is not working and that the two people are better off apart? Or can all <laughs> relationships be fixed? Um, if, if both parties want them to be fixed, they can all be fixed. Um, but if, as I mentioned before, if any part of that partnership or Let's call it a communication 
couple because it could be a parent and a child. It could be a married couple, an engaged couple. It could be um, a brother and a sister. If any member of that uh, coupling um, doesn't want for things to improve, uh, then there are some times where we discuss setting up boundaries or the ending of a relationship. And I discussed that in my book a little bit. You know, how do you know when, if you're the one trying so, so hard, how do you know when enough is enough and you've done all you can? And and there are some, you know, distinct uh, ways you can know that, including generally, if people's behavior is, is very different to what they say, and when you confront it, it, it is identified as, you know, not having that intention. And so my mission is to have people confront it, not in an angry way, but in an assertive way that says, you know, what is it that you do want? Because nobody wants to keep trying when the other person isn't trying, you know, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not fun to be in a one-sided effort, right? Yeah. So. So yes, sometimes I help people get divorced. I do. You do? <laughs> yes, I do. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And your, your book is entitled Say Something. Why did you choose this title? So I, you know, I've, watched enough romantic movies and I've watched uh, in my own relationship when you're very, very frustrated with someone else um, and, and you're at your wit's end and you feel like you've said everything you need to say, often you'll get to a frustrated moment in an argument where you're literally yelling out, say something, you know? And so it's, it's kind of, delivered softly you know say something just be assertive but also it's uh encapsulating the frustration when we're in the midst of a big meltdown and a frustration when the other person has stopped speaking they've stopped speaking for a reason typically typically because they don't want to speak and so it's it's it was inspired by that that uh, frustration point in all arguments where they say something you know yeah. And, my and now when I now I watch movies and TV shows, I see it all the time. I'm like they either say say something or they say do something, you know. But maybe my next book is do something. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in this situation, I think the better 
reaction. For example, if I'm fighting with someone, if this person is quiet and doesn't say anything, I think it's so annoying. So please say something. It's you expect that that person say. (laughs) Yes. And the, the point of the book is that we all get to areas of flooded emotion, right? Um, we, John and Julie Gottman uh, are relationship experts, and they talk about being flooded and in a state of shutdown, um, common terminology. And uh, when we're in a state of shutdown, that's usually when someone else is telling us to say something. <laughs> um, or they say, use your words, or, or like, tell me what you're thinking. You know, that's, we hear that sometimes too. Um, and so it's natural to get to flooded emotions where you, you feel overwhelmed and you don't want to talk. But my mission is to say, okay, if you don't want to talk right now, let's negotiate a time when I can go cool down or I can go do something else for a little while and we'll come back and talk. We might, you know, in the book, I talk about doing things together, like taking a walk where we can just walk and talk and think while, while we're actually active, having appointment times to talk because inevitably our arguments come when we're ready to talk and the other person isn't ready to talk. They're relaxing or vice versa. And, um, you know, trying to get in sync where people don't want to make those formal appointments. But my point is you have to, in a, in a serious partnership, whether it be romantic or otherwise, you have to make appointments for almost everything. And it's better that you do because then you can say, okay, two o'clock on Saturday, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about our money or our budget or, or we're going to talk about our sex life or whatever the case may be but we're going to talk about it. And so you have this time to get ready. I have this time to get ready. Let's not be surprised when we talk about it. (laughs) Um, And so it's, to me, it's all about that communication around our communication. It's kind of that extra meta level of communication that we often skip because we think the other person should know us and read our minds and meet our needs. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Um, Sometimes we have to help them. So Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting. We're not always on the same page just because we love each other. I have a chapter called Love is Not Enough, you know. (laughs) Love is wonderful, but it's not enough. You have to have communication, and you have to have practices and routines and, and things that keep you safe, right? Interesting. I think anyone should... I think it's available where you are. I think it is. Also, why is it so difficult in some situations to ask for important things at work, for example, without feeling fear? Yeah, I think um, ultimately our biggest childhood fear is that um, we're not enough to have our needs met. that we're not unconditionally loved. And in the workplace, unconditional love isn't a given at all. (laughs) There's a company that employs us typically. And so when you combine our natural fears of not being enough with um, also knowing that we're battling against the needs of an organization that has obvious corporate goals and money-making goals naturally as it should, 
that that's when it becomes very, very challenging to bring up difficult topics in the workplace. Also, the things like power differentials, which simply means someone else above me has power over my position. That causes there to be, you know, a challenge in building rapport that is fully trusting. This is why it's very important to pick the people you choose to work with and give your life to. People that have at least um, similar values to you as a human being. Otherwise, this will make it even more challenging, right? Um, if you know you work for a company that's there to make money and you know you also have a person you work for that is not a good fit with you personally, you also then believe you're not worthy, it makes it very challenging. So there's lots of layers to that, right? I do a lot of corporate work as well, executive coaching and individual coaching with people who are transitioning out of corporate, but also um, trying to be more assertive with their management. I, I work with managers who are also managing staff and, and having challenge bringing up behavioral, you know, or performance topics, uh, which I did for many, many years as a leader. And so, um, it, you know, it's always what, what will they think of us? You know, what, what will they think of us? They'll think I'm a bad person or they'll think I'm not worth it. Or that's really the messaging that's in our childlike minds. And so we have to uh, overcome that fear. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that nowadays some leaders are more understanding? I think I think there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, first of all, as younger people become leaders, you know, in their generation, 30s and 40s, they expect more communication. They expect more um, compassion generally. And this is a very big generalization, but they do expect... Um, much more tolerance of each other and they they less and less accept just a power position over me right <laughs> and so certainly when i was coming up as a young leader that was not even a question whether someone had power over you they certainly did but now as the younger generations come up into leadership they do expect that more there is in some ways more conflict that comes from so many expectations being met at once. But in other ways, it's good that it's getting out. <laughs> it's good that it's being spoken about at least. And so it's, it's beginning to shift entire corporate cultures um, because they have to come up with core values that they all agree on, you know, across the age gaps and across generations. So I think there are still some who, you know, come at leadership from a power perspective, unfortunately. It's all they've ever known, and um, they don't plan to change. <laughs> so um, often, you know, they, they leave the corporate environment because they, they run into that frustration over and over again. So there's a real shift happening in the corporate setting of uh, needing to be there for people. I do some work with... Uh, workplaces where I help human resources um, work with two, two managers in conflict, for example. Um, and I really love that work because I'm taking two high-producing managers who 
who are both equally valued by the company. The company does not want to fire anyone. And I'm helping them work together in partnership at the same level and helping them understand that we're all different and helping them uh, find words where they don't feel like they are suppressed, but they are also seeking out you know, the opinions of other people and finding a middle ground. And I find that very satisfying, very satisfying. And when, when that can't be done, one person usually leaves, you know, um, if, if they simply don't want to participate in the shift. And Malita, you've accomplished a lot, and I know you have a lot of goals. What are you currently working on or hoping to accomplish next? So I am I'm looking at, first of all, I want to write more books. I haven't uh, finalized what the next book idea is, mm -hmm. but writing to me is a joy. It's a deep spiritual practice that just helps me express the joy I feel at writing this first book is, is enormous. Even, this is how you know you're a writer. If you write and you don't even know who buys it, you know that you're a writer <laughs> and you're so excited to write. Um, secondly, um, I'm working on, you know, looking into being trained as a family law mediator. So taking the couples counseling, understanding that I have the dynamic of hostility between two members of a marriage who are breaking up and how they punish each other, so to speak. In, in their separation, taking that natural knowledge that I've been exposed to with clients into a law environment excites me very much. Um, being someone who could mediate and help shorten the time it takes to separate and get divorced to me is meaningful work. Meaningful because the children involved, if there are children, suffer from lengthy drawn out Uh, lack of mediation, lack of, you know, agreement, lack of um, negotiation. So uh, it's for the children, but it's also for the individuals, you know, when there are no children, still very important to me that, that they bring peace into their lives. I'm a big believer in peace, a big believer that you, you don't want to spend your life, your karma, your, your energy fighting another human being. It's just the biggest waste of life, as far as I can tell. So I, you know, that excites me very much. I'm, I'm, I'm looking into uh, training for that. And then there are many hours you have to practice it to be fully accredited. So uh, maybe this time next year. This is wonderful, Malita. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And what a message would you like to leave for our listeners today? I think um, if you've been a person who finds yourself running from situations or leaving situations over and over again, and you find yourself, you know, repeating the same kind of dynamics in work interactions or relationship interactions, and you always come to this brick wall, there's work, there's work to be done on finding how to break through that pattern. So 
So I'm a big believer that we all have patterns that we do, patterns that keep us safe, patterns that feel familiar and, and uh, in their own way comfort us because they're familiar. But in, the, in another way, they keep us from growing. Um, if you're one of those people that finds, you know, you're repeating some of the same life lessons over and over, I, I would challenge you to read my book and, and really try to pinpoint and identify in a self-reflective way what you could work on. Um, we tend to make the other person the bad person. That's natural. <laughs> it's natural human nature to make the other person the bad person. However, there's always work we can do. My book is aimed at having you look at yourself and not point the finger or blame others, but to take accountability for yourself. So that's my biggest lesson is look at yourself, what you could learn, what you could do better. And ultimately, you'll attract better interactions. Um, I truly believe that. Yes, I also believe that, Marlita. And where can we find you online? So the book is available on Amazon worldwide. And so I'm not sure of every country, whether they use Amazon US or they have their own Amazon website, but it's available on Amazon. You just search for Say Something, Marlita Black, or just Black if it's easier for you. My name's a bit tricky, um, but uh, the the book is written in in the tone of an adventure, so it's appealing for men and women alike. It's written as if you're going on a major hiking expedition. What would you wouldn't do that unprepared? And it's the same notion with relationships, with conversations. You don't go in unprepared. You prepare yourself, and so. Uh, Yeah, check it out on Amazon. And when you've read it, leave me a review. That's exciting to see. Yeah, reviews are gold for us yeah. authors. And also, do you have a website or uh, social media that you would like to share as well? Yes. And so uh, Marlita Black Coaching. So that's M-A-R-L-E-T-A. MarlitaBlackCoaching.com is my website. And uh, I do see clients all around the world. I have clients in uh, Australia and the USA, all over the USA, as well as South Africa at the moment. And so uh, because I do a lot of Zoom work, um, online uh, coaching and counseling is very uh, normal for me. And I practice as a coach because psychology licensing is very unique to Australia. And so I don't, I'm very careful to, keep to my ethical boundaries as to my licensing in each country. And uh, so I practice uh, as a coach. That is the easiest way for me to um, practice my expertise and make sure that if, if people need more help, mental health help or uh, very specific help, that's of the clinical nature, I can refer them to other people. So at marlitablackcoaching.com. It's the best way. Wonderful. And Malita, come back when you write. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> That's an idea, right? I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm, I think so. I think yes. so. Yes. So thank you very much for your time. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. And have to talk to you too.
Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.